0: Chapter 26 of Wheeland, or The Transformation, An American Tale by Charles Brockton Brown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 26 My right hand, grasping the unseen knife, was still disengaged. It was lifted to strike. All my strength was exhausted, but what was sufficient to the performance of this deed? Already was the energy awakened, and the impulse given, that should bear the fatal steel to his heart, when Wheeland shrunk back. His hand was withdrawn. Breathless with affright and desperation, I stood, freed from his grasp, unassailed, untouched. Thus long had the power which controlled the scene forborne to interfere; but now his might was irresistible, and Wieland in a moment was disarmed of all his purposes. A voice, louder than human organs could produce, shriller than language can depict, burst from the ceiling, and commanded him to "hold!" Trouble and dismay succeeded to the steadfastness that had lately been displayed in the looks of Wieland. His eyes roved from one quarter to another, with an expression of doubt. He seemed to wait for a further intimation. Carwin's agency was here easily recognized. I had besought him to interpose in my defense. He had flown. I had imagined him deaf to my prayer, and resolute to see me perish. Yet he disappeared merely to devise and execute the means of my relief why did he not forbear when this end was accomplished why did his misjudging zeal and accursed precipitation overpass that limit or meant he thus to crown the scene and conduct his inscrutable plots to this consummation such ideas were the fruit of subsequent contemplation this moment was pregnant with fate i had no power to reason in the career of my tempestuous thoughts rent into pieces as my mind was by accumulating horrors carwin was unseen and unsuspected I partook of Wieland's credulity, shook with his amazement, and panted with his awe. Silence took place for a moment, so much as allowed the attention to recover its post. Then new sounds were uttered from above. Man of errors, cease to cherish thy delusion. Not heaven or hell, but thy senses have misled thee to commit these acts. Shake off thy frenzy, and ascend into rational and human. Be lunatic no longer. My brother opened his lips to speak his tone was terrific and faint he muttered an appeal to heaven it was difficult to comprehend the theme of his inquiries they implied doubt as to the nature of the impulse that hitherto had guided him and questioned whether he had acted in consequence of insane perceptions to these interrogatories the voice which now seemed to hover at his shoulder loudly answered in the affirmative then uninterrupted silence ensued fallen from his lofty and heroic station now fully restored to the perception of truth, weighed to earth by the recollection of his own deeds, consoled no longer by a consciousness of rectitude, for the loss of offspring and wife, a loss for which he was indebted to his own misguided hand, Whelan was transformed at once into the man of sorrows. He reflected not that credit should be as reasonably denied to the last, as to any former intimation, that one might as justly be ascribed to erring or diseased senses as the other, he saw not that this discovery in no degree affected the integrity of his conduct, that his motives had lost none of their claims to the homage of mankind, that the preference of supreme good and the boundless energy of duty were undiminished in his bosom. It is not for me to pursue him through the ghastly changes of his countenance. Words he had none. Now he sat upon the floor, motionless in all his limbs, with his eyes glazed and fixed, a monument of woe anon a spirit of tempestuous but undesigning activity seized him he rose from his place and strode across the floor tottering and at random his eyes were without moisture and gleamed with a fire that consumed his vitals the muscles of his face were agitated by convulsion his lips moved but no sound escaped him that nature should long sustain this conflict was not to be believed my state was little different from that of my brother i entered as it were into his thought my heart was visited and rent by his pangs oh that thy frenzy had never been cured that thy madness with its blissful visions would return or if that must not be that thy scene would hasten to a close that death would cover thee with his oblivion what can i wish for thee thou who hast vied with the great preacher of thy faith and sanctity of motives and an elevation above sensual and selfish thou whom thy fate has changed into parricide and savage can i wish for the continuation of thy being no for a time his movements seemed destitute of purpose if he walked if he turned if his fingers were entwined with each other if his hands were pressed against opposite sides of his head with a force sufficient to crush it into pieces it was to tear his mind from self-contemplation to waste his thoughts on external objects speedily this train was broken a beam appeared to be darted into his mind which gave a purpose to his efforts an avenue to escape presented itself and now he eagerly gazed about him. When my thoughts became engaged by his demeanour, my fingers were stretched as by a mechanical force, and the knife, no longer heeded or of use, escaped from my grasp and fell unperceived on the floor. His eye now lighted upon it. He seized it with the quickness of thought. I shrieked aloud, but it was too late. He plunged it to the hilt in his neck, and his life instantly escaped with the stream that gushed from the wound. He was stretched at my feet, and my hands were sprinkled with his blood as he fell. Such was thy last deed, my brother. For a spectacle like this was it my fate to be reserved. Thy eyes were closed, thy face ghastly with death. Thy arms, and the spot where thou liest, floated in thy life's blood these images have not for a moment forsaken me till i am breathless and cold they must continue to hover in my sight carwin as i said had left the room but he still lingered in the house my voice summoned him to my aid but i scarcely noticed his re-entrance and now faintly recollect his terrified looks his broken exclamations his vehement avowals of innocence the effusions of his pity for me and his offers of assistance i did not listen i answered him not I ceased to upbraid or accuse his guilt was a point to which i was indifferent ruffian or devil black as hell or bright as angels thenceforth he was nothing to me i was incapable of sparing a look or a thought from the ruin that was spread at my feet when he left me i was scarcely conscious of any variation in the scene he informed the inhabitants of the hut of what had passed and they flew to the spot careless of his own safety he hasted to the city to inform my friends of my condition my uncle speedily arrived at the house. The body of Wieland was removed from my presence, and they supposed that I would follow it. But no, my home is ascertained. Here I have taken up my rest, and never will I go hence, till, like Wieland, I am born to my grave. Importunity was tried in vain. They threatened to remove me by violence. Nay, violence was used. But my soul prizes too dearly this little roof to endure to be bereaved of it force should not prevail when the hoary locks and supplicating tears of my uncle were ineffectual my repugnance to move gave birth to ferociousness and frenzy when force was employed and they were obliged to consent to my return they besought me they remonstrated they appealed to every duty that connected me with him that made me and with my fellow-men in vain while i live i will not go hence have i not fulfilled my destiny why will you torment me with your reasonings and reproofs can you restore to me the hope of my better days can ye give me back Catherine and her babes? Can ye recall to life him who died at my feet? I will eat, I will drink, I will lie down and rise up at your bidding. All I ask is the choice of my abode. What is there unreasonable in this demand? Shortly will I be at peace. This is the spot which I have chosen in which to breathe my last sigh. Deny me not, I beseech you, so slight a boon. Talk not to me, O oh my revered friend, of Carwin. He has told thee his tale, and thou exculpatest him from all direct concern in the fate of Wieland. This scene of havoc was produced by an illusion of the senses, be it so. I care not from what source these disasters have flowed. It suffices that they have swallowed up our hopes and our existence. What his agency began, his agency conducted to a close. He intended, by the final effort of his power, to rescue me, and to banish his illusions from my brother. Such is his tale concerning the truth of which I care not henceforth i foster but one wish i ask only quick deliverance from life and all the ills that attend it go wretch torment me not with thy presence and thy prayers forgive thee will that avail thee when thy fateful hour shall arrive be thou acquitted at thy own tribunal and thou needest not fear the verdict of others if thy guilt be capable of blacker hues if hitherto thy conscience be without stain thy crime will be made more flagrant by thus violating my retreat Take thyself away from my sight, if thou wouldst not behold my death. Thou art gone, murmuring and reluctant, and now my repose is coming, my work is done. End of chapter 26